This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise God, family. Won't you give the Lord a great big praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus. It's great to be back with you again. And uh, three weeks from now, I will be in the house personally with Pastor Bev. Looking forward to that so much. Uh, Next weekend, we're going to be having a great big uh, deliverance meeting, talking about demons and and how Satan is operating in the world today in different ways. The Bible tells us we should know about this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, so don't miss next weekend. Very important. And bring those who need deliverance and those who need healing, bring them all to church next weekend. All right, so for today, uh, our subject is titled, The Cross Purchased Our Freedom, Part 3. The Cross Purchased Our Freedom, Part 3. So kindly open your Bible to John chapter 14 and verse 12. I'm reading from the New King James Translation. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. He who believes in me will do the works, Jesus said. And whatever you command in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we'll do the greater works, or more works, should I say, by using the name of Jesus and commanding God's plan and desires to be fulfilled in the lives of people and in circumstances. If you command anything in my name, I will do it. Now, the actual Greek word here says, whatever you command in my name, in the English, it actually means from the Greek, if you don't have it, if I don't have it, I'll make it. God is saying, if I don't have what you want, I'll make it. Praise God. Say that. God said, whatever I command in his name, he'll do it. And if he, doesn't, if, I, if he doesn't have it, he'll make it. So here, in this portion of Scripture, in John 14, we learn about the tremendous authority that Christ has given to the new creation, the born-again man and the born-again woman. Scripture like this one, or like this portion of Scripture, tells us to boldly use Christ's authority as if it were our own authority. He said, whatever you command in my name, I will do it. So he said, boldly use my authority. That's not just for a few isolated special people. That's for every person who's born again. We are equal heirs of Christ, because the Father has placed us into Christ. We are one with Christ. 
He is the head and we are the body. That's who the new creation person is. That's what God paid for on the cross. When he raised Christ from the dead, that's what he paid for. God has seen us that way from the moment he raised Christ from the dead. Say this to me, please. God has seen me with the legal right to use all Christ's authority from the time he raised Christ from the dead. There's a few points I'd like to mention here. Number one, meditate in the scriptures that reveal who God has made us into. Number two, who you are in Christ. Number two, confess what Christ, that Christ is alive and living his life through you. Let's say that. Christ is alive. He is living his life through me. Number three, declare boldly what Christ will do through you. And number four, speak to the circumstances around you and command them to fall in line with God's will. And number five, on Christ's behalf, use Christ's authority in the earth to set things in order, to set things in God's order. Use Christ's authority on Christ's behalf to set things in order. Number six, one of the most powerful weapons we have is praying in other tongues. One of the most powerful is praying in other tongues. Go to Romans 8, verse 28. Near King James. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, this scripture is referring to two previous scriptures that are talking about speaking in other tongues or praying in our heavenly prayer language. This is saying that God works everything out for our good when we pray in tongues, only when we pray in tongues. And we know, because it says and, it means it's continuing the same subject. We know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So we know that when we pray in tongues, we are fulfilling God's purpose. So he says that when you pray in tongues, to carry out my purpose, everything is going to work out for your good. Say that with me. When I pray in tongues, everything works out for my good. The Holy Ghost will work it out. He'll work it out. Now we go to Ephesians 6.18. In Ephesians chapter 6, we see the list of all the weapons of our warfare, our armor. And in verse 18, it talks about praying in the Spirit as one of those weapons. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. 
in other tongues. So as I said, Ephesians 6 is talking about the weapons of our warfare or the armor that we wear in battle, which is God's. And praying in tongues is a supernatural weapon. Now, let's lift our hands and just worship God for a moment and just say thank you for that. Say, Father, I thank you for this wonderful gift of praying in other tongues. Praise God. Amen. All right, now go to Genesis chapter 17, please. Right at the beginning of your Bible, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. No longer, verse 5, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Because for I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham had to confess who God said he was before Isaac could be born. Now, Abraham in the Hebrew means father of many nations. So when Abraham went around saying, my name is Abraham, he's actually saying in their language, I am the father of many nations. Now, he was saying that before Isaac was born. The interesting fact is, when he was 75, God said to him, if you can count the stars, that's many children you'll have. And Abraham believed. And God said, he's righteous because he believed that. But Isaac wasn't born. 24 years later, he's gone from 75 to 99. Isaac's still not born. Even though he believed what God said about having all those children. The reason why is because Abraham never confessed what God said. He believed it, but didn't say it. Remember what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, Whosoever shall say with his mouth, and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe it, those things he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So we've got to believe it and say it. Abraham believed, but he didn't say it. There's a lot of folks who believe the Bible, but they don't confess it. We should speak the Word of God. All right, now go to Romans 4, verse 17, the B part. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is referring to God giving Abraham's body life. When he was 99 years old, nothing worked anymore. Sarah's womb was dead. They could not have children, either from his side or her side. But God healed him, and healed Sarah. It says, God gives life to the dead, to about Abraham's body, and God calls those things that do not exist as though they did, saying that God called Abraham the father of any nations when he wasn't the father of any nations. That's what it's talking about. And Abraham said it because God told him to say it. Now, there are many examples in the Bible of men and women who had great faith. They were able to accomplish great exploits to further God's cause on the earth. For example, Joshua 
in Joshua chapter 10. We see that Joshua commanded the sun to stand still over Gibeon and the moon to stop over the valley of Agilon. The Bible said in Joshua 10, 14, and there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. So when God spoke, when, when Joshua spoke the sun and the moon, God made it happen. When Elijah challenged the 450 prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel, he called down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice, and the water that he poured onto the sacrifice all dried up. Moses parted the Red Sea. Three million people walked across the ocean in dry land. Moses spoke to a giant rock, and water gushed out enough for three million people and their animals to drink. David slew a bear and a lion with his own hands and killed an 11-foot giant by the name of Goliath. Samson pulled down an entire building by pushing two structures, pillars, apart. And in the process, he killed thousands of people, actually killed more people in that one incident than he killed, I'm talking about enemies now, enemies of God, Philistines. Uh, more Philistine enemies of God in that one incident that he did in his lifetime. Isaiah caused the sundial to move backward at King Hezekiah's request. When King Hezekiah was sick, and Isaiah said, God's going to heal you, give you 15 more years of life, he said, I need a son to prove to me that I will get well and live an extra 15 years. Can you give me a sign? Any little sign to prove that I will get better. Sure, Isaiah said, so what little sign would you like to show you that God's going to heal you? Um, would you just move the sundial back so many degrees? Which means that the whole earth has to rewind in its orbit, right? And of course, God did it when Isaiah spoke to it. It went backwards. Now, just a little sign <laughs> to prove to the king that he's going to be healed. I'm just showing you the humor here because God is not afraid to do what we believe him for. Not afraid. Whatever your need might be today. There's no limit to what God is willing to do for you, child of God. Just step out the boat, walk on the water. Take the bull by the tail and look the situation in the face. God used Joshua to pull down the mighty walls of Jericho and conquer the city. Men and women of faith conquered kingdoms. Men and women of faith conquered the promised land of Canaan and took possession of their inheritance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
were thrown into the burning fiery furnace, but their faith protected them from all harm. There wasn't even a smell of smoke on their clothes. The Shunammite woman refused to doubt or say any negative words after her son had died. Because of her faith, her boy was raised back to life. She refused to say that her son was dead after he had died. Refused to confess it. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He does not depend on his own ability. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Very often, while having fellowship with Christians, I have desired to talk about the Word of God or things that God is doing. But 99% of all the Christians don't want to talk about the Word of God or the things that God is doing. That's sad to me. The fact is, the more we talk about what God is doing for us and the wonderful Word of God, the stronger our faith becomes and the more victories we experience in our life. The Lord Jesus spoke about His life and His ministry very often, and so should we. From the time Jesus began His ministry until He was led to the cross, He spoke boldly and positively about His life and His ministry. He told us who He is. He told us what His mission in life was. We can see that in John 16, 28. He said, I came forth from the Father, and I've come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. In John 14, 9, he said, the Lord Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 12, 45, the Lord Jesus said, he who, has, who sees me sees him who sent me. In 46, he said, I have come as a light unto the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So Jesus spoke about his life and ministry. In Matthew 5, 17, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. In Matthew 12, 40, he said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In verse 41, he says, The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of Sheba will rise up in the judgment of this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. See, he spoke about who he was. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John 8, 24, 
For unless you believe that I am who I say I am, yet you die in your sins. So we see the Lord Jesus constantly confess who he is and his mission in life. We should constantly be confessing who we are in Christ and what our mission is in life. Not from a fleshly pride position, but we should talk about it from God's perspective, who God says we are. That's the confession we should hold fast to. For example, Romans 8.15 says, So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into God's family, calling him Father, dear Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures. For everything God gives to his Son, Christ, is ours too. So, if we are to do what Jesus said, Paul the Apostle said, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So if we are supposed to imitate Christ, then let's say what he said, or the Bible said. The Bible said that everything God gives to Christ, he gave to us as well. Say that then. Christ, whatever God gave to Christ, he has given to me. His attributes, his character, his authority, the right to use his name, his righteousness, his wisdom, and so on. Amen. So let's say that. I am a child of God. Say, so I am a son of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Now when we confess what we see in the Scripture, when we say what we see in the Bible, Christ begins to function through us freely. Freely. All right, let's say this. Raise your right hand now and say this from the heart. I have inherited all Christ's attributes. I have inherited all Christ's qualities. I have inherited all Christ's abilities. I have Christ's nature. Now you see when we say that, then Christ starts working through us in that way. All right, say this, I am wise with Christ's wisdom, according to 1 Corinthians 1.30. Say this, I am strong with Christ's strength, according to Philippians 4.13. I am righteous with Christ's righteousness, according to 1 Corinthians 1.30. All right, say this together, I am alive with Christ's life, Colossians 3.4. I am complete in Christ, according to Colossians 2.10. I have inherited all Christ owns. I have inherited all Christ can do. I have inherited all Christ is. Keep on saying it loud from the heart. I have been born of God. God is my very own Father. I am God's very own child. 
1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, it gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be to God, who always leads me in triumph in Christ. Ephesians 5.30, say that, Ephesians 5.30, I'm a member of Christ's body, of His flesh, and of His bones. Praise God. You are a member of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. How can you walk around with sickness? Christ is never sick on the earth. His body won't get sick. Life of God's in it. Hallelujah. Say this, I resist sickness. I resist pain. I resist infection. I resist disease. It cannot enter Christ's body. Just say it. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I am one spirit with Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 6. I am one with Christ. 1 John 4, 17. As Christ is, so am I in this world. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these challenges of life, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. I am a member of Christ's body, of His flesh, and of His bones. I dare to take my place as a son or a daughter of God. In this world, I am royalty. Now, praise God, that's true. You are royalty. Now, when someone's born into a royal family, it's only for a season, 70, 80, 90 years, but they might be on the throne, whatever it might be, if they ever live that long. But we are royalty for eternity. You are kings and priests unto God. Thank you, Lord. You and I have both heard people say, so-and-so got saved last night. We know from God's viewpoint he didn't get saved last night. God saved the man or woman when Jesus was raised from the dead. The man only just accepted his salvation last night, but it's been his all along. Now, the redemption of God has been available for more than 2,000 years. However, if I only know about it now, it can't help me until I know about it. It becomes a reality when I know. Likewise, by boldly declaring what God says about me and His Word, by boldly declaring what God has made me into, it becomes a reality in my life, just like the salvation experience does. When I boldly declare what God says I am, like we just have done, then the conqueror rises up big in us. To confess the Word gives Jesus lordship over our lives. 
It breaks Satan's influence. It gathers the angels. It scatters the demons. With Christ's ability, we can attend to our daily tasks and the challenges of life. And most importantly, we can bring in the harvest of souls that Jesus died for on the cross. We can cause the kingdom of the Antichrist to retreat around the world. We can cause the kingdom of Christ to advance around the world. We must deal with these circumstances of life in the realm of the Spirit. In the Spirit world, because it's the Spirit world that controls the natural world. So our weapons are mighty in God, spiritual weapons. Let's use them, child of God. Amen and amen. Now, before I do the altar call here, that is the end of that little mini-series, The Cross Purchased Our Dominion, three parts. I encourage you to go back and listen to that again. Now, next week, as I said, we have a very, very important Sunday meeting. Understanding the operation of demons, casting demons out, and let me teaching you how Satan's working in our world around us so we can recognize the open doors and the traps that he sets for us and our children and our friends. And very often we wonder, what is going wrong in my life? It could very well be that we've opened a door that we didn't even realize. I've cast demons out of people they didn't even know they had a demon. So, come and find out. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Come find out what it is. And let's deal with it. Close the door. Put the devil on the run. Amen? That's next weekend. Well, this will be part five, I believe, in our series. Also, Tuesday night, this Tuesday, two days from now, we have our very special prayer meeting right here. I encourage you all to attend, everybody. I'll be talking about how to avoid being caught in the 666 spider web of the Antichrist. I'll be talking at length about this subject, explaining how Satan is setting up his kingdom, systematically building it around us under our noses without us realizing it. I'll be pointing out all things he's doing. And then we'll go to a time of prayer. We enter the war zone and we'll pull down his kingdom and set up the kingdom of Christ on our knees. It's a powerful time of prayer. Don't miss the message. If you want to avoid being caught or trapped on the spiderweb of the tarantula, the Antichrist, be here this Tuesday night. Understand what the devil's doing and let's stop him in his tracks. Love you all, Pastor and I. We'll see you very soon. Now, every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Praise the Lord. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I want to be sure that I wake up in heaven. I don't want to end up in the fires of hell. Can you help me? Yes, I can. I'm going to pray a little prayer right now. God's going to speak to your heart and put an assurance in your heart that you are God's child and you will go to heaven. Now, he's going to give that to you when I pray my prayer 
if you invite him to give it to you. You see, God's not going to do anything for us without invitation. So, when I pray this prayer, God will speak to your heart if you invite him to do so by raising your hand when I count to three. Before I pray, I'm going to count to three. Slip your hand up, and that'll be the indication to God. I'm inviting you, God, to put this assurance in my heart when Apostle Theo prays in a moment. And you'll go home knowing that all is well. And should you die anytime soon or anytime in the future, you will go to heaven. All right? Okay, I'm going to count now. Slip those hands up. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm looking. Jesus is looking. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You ready? I'm counting. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Keep those hands raised. Keep those hands raised in the air. Now somebody who knows how to pray is coming to put their hands on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I say this little prayer. Go ahead, leaders. All right, then. Please say this little prayer with me. Everybody, please. Everybody, especially those who raise their hands. Dear God in heaven, let's try that again. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Save my life. Thank you, Jesus. I declare you are my Savior. You are my Lord. I'll live for you with all my heart till I see you face to face. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.